0: So we had to consciously remind ourselves to be grateful for any and all money that flowed into our life. So it didn't matter if it was not as much as we expected it to be or wanted or whatever, we were grateful for any amount.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to The Pursuit. Great to be with you today. Super excited about our show and our, our show today and our guests today, Chris and Marlo Felton, uh, friends of mine, and I'm, I'm excited for you to get to hear from them and learn from them. This is a wonderful, wonderful couple. Uh, give you a little bit of background about them. I mean, they're best-selling authors, experts in personal finance. They're big-time entrepreneurs. They do professional speaking. And it's just incredible to see all the different avenues that they have going on in their life. I know, uh, I think it's been around 20 years in the financial service industry too, and running a big time, big time financial service agency. So Marlo, Chris, so good to have you guys. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for yeah, having thanks. us, Brother.
0: Thanks for having us, Ben.
1: Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, I want to jump into right away. I mean, I know one of your, your, your main book, Couples Money. I love the book, by the way. And just phenomenal stuff. And I think that what's what's so unique about couples' money is just that a, a lot of finance stuff is focused on personal finance, right? It's all personal finance, and and very few, if any, other than your guys' stuff, actually addresses in a in a marriage in a relationship. It takes two people to build <laughs> to build personal finance and and couples' money. So I have a whole bunch of questions that I want to dig into, but really, really briefly for. Our audience, some of them do know you guys, and, and some wouldn't. Why don't you share a little bit about how this came about, the story behind all this? And yeah,
0: okay, then we'll have to share the brief version because yeah. there's the extended version that we don't have time for. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, Chris this and I is, met. This is and, G-rated,
2: so you can't tell they are rated. I
0: know, I got it. I got there's
2: it. A, right. There's an X-rated too. In there yeah, there. we don't. <laughs> no, <laughs> we we don't
0: need to share that we don't one, share honey. The
2: X, anyway. <laughs> Triple X. So, Chris
0: and I honey, Chris and I met in the financial services industry. I met him. He was a former CPA and I I was smitten and made a bunch of assumptions about what he knew about money and how he had it all must have it all going on financially. And we committed a cardinal sin, and that was not having a financial conversation before we got married. So we got married. We were blissfully in love. We're, you know, we still are, obviously. we We're no, or, you know, at that um, past tense and present. I got you. Um, And I found out shortly after we got married that I married a guy with a ton of debt, um, <laughs> and his financial situation was far less than favorable. And, you know, really it all boiled down to the night that changed everything when I completely blew up on my husband and I just, I said, I'm done. This is um, not for me. This isn't what I signed up for. I am not okay with this and, you know, rattled off all the things I was sick and tired of. And, you know, Chris really um, stopped everything when he asked me a really important question. And that was then why are you married to me? I thought, wow, okay, that's, that's a fair question, but I hadn't thought about that. So what I learned that night, the moral of the story was we are responsible for our choices in life, and I knew that I had made a choice, and I had to take responsibility for my role in us being where we were, because if Chris Felton was a huge idiot, then I was a bigger idiot for marrying him, right? Exactly.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So... We learned that wealth is built from the inside out. So even though we're financial advisors, we advise people on what to do with their money, we can put together all the plans and all that. We knew from experience, both professionally and personally, that wealth is built from the inside out. And if you don't have your mind straight around money, that it doesn't matter If you're doing all the right things with your money,
3: Mm.
0: it's not going to do anything. So we turned a corner that night and we turned everything around. Um, The rest is history. And then in 2011, we felt compelled to share our story because Mm. we saw concepts work that people only read about in theory.
3: Mm. And
0: so that's how we knew that they worked. and we wanted to share our story so people could be inspired and have hope um that they don't have to struggle financially um so that that's the short that's the short that's as short as i know how to make it
2: (laughs) short and the cleanest and she only used one f F word in there yeah
0: there were some when i got mad at him though i'm
2: sure there was
1: yeah i'm I'm sure there was and i wonder (laughs) i'm actually curious as we start to jump into that stuff so, say you do have a, a couple that's newly getting together. You said that we've been at Cardinal Sin, we didn't discuss finances. What do you guys recommend in a relationship? What kind of things should they be discussing?
2: That's all you,
3: honey. <laughs> I'm
2: just, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, like, just eye I'm candy. like Ed McMahon to her. She's yeah, like he's Carson, the eye candy but, and
0: eye um, right. no, the i brain.
3: She's the
2: brain. Right. Yeah.
0: I have to do everything around here. <laughs> I
2: hear that at least four oh times a day anyway. So it's
0: not that I have to do everything. I have <laughs> to do everything. Um so you know, I I think a lot of couples just make assumptions about the other's financial situation. And like us, we we didn't even know what the reality of each other's financial situation was. So that's number one. Um, And really, the most important is that a couple is on the same page with their long-term goals and dreams
3: Mm.
0: and that they understand where they're going, how much it's going to cost. So when it comes to setting savings goals and you know, net worth goals and, you know, how much, you know, what kind of house they're going to live in, what kind of car they're going to drive. The number one thing is to get clear on where you're going because that way, you know, if you're clear on that and a couple is like, yeah, that's what that's what we want our future to look like. We want to have two kids or whatever, you know, and a dog and okay, but they cost money. Mm -hmm. So are we willing to give up you know, certain amount of money, we're not going to be able to have the fancy car because we're going to have two kids and a dog and, you know, whatever, whatever the situation might be. Mm-hmm. But if you're not crystal clear on your goal financially, where, what your ideal life looks like, then I, I would say that's the most important thing. Then you back engineer all the finances. and makes sense because then if one partner says, Hey, I want to go buy that fancy sports car Then the other one, instead of like, no, you shouldn't buy that car. I mean, well, why? Okay, why? Because we agreed that we were going to do this yeah. and the numbers don't add up. So let's, you know, let's figure out a different plan. So that's really super important for a couple to do.
1: That's awesome. Really getting on the same page clarity wise. Where are we going? What do we want? And then being willing to make the commitment to do so together. Yes. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, can you guys talk a little bit about this idea? I don't know if this is better for you, Marlo, or for you, Chris, to talk about this, but this whole idea of your your relationship with money, can you expand on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, so Marlo had a good relationship with money. What I realized the night that she flipped her lid and Hurricane Marlo, Volcanic Marlo, I mean, she's like five foot nothing, but man, it's like, anyway, she did the Tasmanian Devil, all those things. Um, you know, that really woke me up. Is you know where, wherever I've had a money problem, I've always been there, yeah. and uh, right, I'm, I'm the common denominator of all my problems. And so, you know, point A was really understanding. You know that I, I it was I created it. It was it was really the first time in my life, Ben, that I took 100% responsibility for what I created because it was really clear that at an unconscious level, you know, I created the disaster. And so the relationship with money is, you know, if money was your friend, would money hang out with you? Hmm. Right? And so, you know, if you described as fr- a friend as, as something that's difficult to deal with, hard, scarce, causes anger, frustration, and stress, like, that's not going to be a friendship that's going to last very long, right? And so, money's energy, right? Currency, current, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it flows to where it's appreciated and liked. And so, what I had to do was I had to understand my relationship with money. And you know your relationship with money based on what's going on. Mm-hmm. And for us, it was, you know, a core of a million dollars of unsecured debt, um, leaking money, making stupid financial decisions, uh, you know, approval addiction, we might be able to get into that later. Mm. But I had all sorts of challenges. And so for me, it was, you know, getting the right mentoring and coaching. And his whole thing is, you know, you don't have a money problem, you have a money project. And so you got to figure out really, and I I instruct people on this all the time. And, And Ben, you and I are in this, you know, same industry. And yeah you know, we 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 train a lot of entrepreneurs but most people um w- if they were to grab a journal a money project journal and where you start is just write the word money at the top and write down everything you make up about that mm. cuz what we are is we are tremendous storytellers right if, if you're you know selling money relationships i can get into a story later about it but but The cool part is, is you got to change your story. So my story that I never checked on for decades, and my parents never checked on their entire lives, and my grandparents never checked on was money's hard. Us Feltons aren't supposed to be successful. We're not supposed to have money. Money, you either have it or you don't. Hard to make, hard to keep, hard to this. Everything was hard. Hmm. And so my relationship with money was hard. What did I manifest? hard. Scarcity. So that, you know, Marlo had the wealth abundance, like she already had that. And that's why she was so shocked because she's looking at me going, you look like you're smart. You are, (laughs) you are a financial advisor. What the hell's wrong with you? And what the hell's wrong with me or was, was just my unconscious, internal feeling. Right. And I tell people all the time, like you can't get wealthy by, by feeling poor. Yeah. (laughs)
3: Yeah.
2: It'll never happen. We could do a whole podcast
1: on that topic, brother. I mean, it's uh,
2: it's powerful.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. I I think when you talk about that idea where, wherever there was a money problem, I am, you can substitute that for any area in your life where, you know, where there's a people problem I am, wherever this, whatever it might be. And just that idea of real true responsibility that if my life is going to change, I need to be willing to change. So good. And then journaling, you know, as Chris talked about that, everybody is the idea of actually taking the time because I I think a lot of people are, well, we might read something, we might hear something. That's a good idea, but then we don't do it. But to actually take the time and write that stuff down. And I think you guys probably agree with this. When you start writing down money and all the things that come to mind to not judge what comes out, but just let it on the paper, right? So often I think we want to, no, 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 I don't actually think that. I'm not going to write that down. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's, you know, you got a lot of entrepreneurs are listening to mm-hmm. do that with the word sales. Sure. And for most people, they're like, they're trying to figure out like what to say, what to do, all that stuff. But they literally, you know, I, I, I call it running a marathon with a 30 pound bowling ball around your ankle. Mm. Right. I mean, that's, that's what limiting beliefs and, and these, these, Horrible stories. That's that's what it's like, and it it wears you out. And so you got to have money, sales, whatever, health, whatever it is. You got to have a better internal dialogue. But the good news is, is you can you can flip the script,
1: hmm. um, and you can do the work to do it. Yeah, in the book Marlo, one of my favorite parts, and I think it's almost a paradox in a little way. But you you write about sometimes the harder you try to get unstuck, the worse things get. And can, mm-hmm. you, can you talk a bit about that idea?
0: Well, you know, it kind of ties back to the concept of resistance, of being in resistance. And, and the analogy that Chris just made with the, you know, running the marathon with a bowling ball tied to your ankle. I mean, you can run as fast as you can, but if you've got a bowling ball tied to your ankle, it makes that marathon much harder than it really needs to be. And that's basically what happens when we're in resistance. So what that looks like is your sign that you're in resistance, because this is a concept that really isn't talked about a whole lot, but I experienced it firsthand with Chris. I was in resistance to what was. I was in resistance to our financial situation. I was in resistance to Chris's uh, decisions that – you know, put us in that, and my role in it. So it's, you know, when you're angry, fearful, all those negative um, uh, emotions tell, that's when we're in resistance. And so when you're in resistance, if you've ever, if anybody's ever been super angry, Somebody, I mean, you know, somebody could wave a thousand, you know, a $1,000 bill in front of your, I don't even know if they make those, but a $1,000 bill in front of your face and you wouldn't even see it, you know, because you get blinded by um, this, I just refer to it as this downward spiral and you are not open to opportunities, you don't see opportunities are in front of you Mm -hmm. you you don't you're not thinking clearly and so it's really you know how to you know let free yourself and you know when you are when you let go of the resistance it's the power of letting go people Mm -hmm. talk about it and that's what they're referring to because you're so much lighter you're open to opportunities. So it's impossible to build wealth if you're in resistance and you're closed off to opportunities. There've been a number of times in my life, and, and actually within the last year, I was in resistance to some things I didn't like mm-hmm. as were most people, right? Mm-hmm. And then when I you know, decided, you know what, I can't focus on what I can't control, I saw opportunity that I, I didn't see last year. And I told Chris, I said, oh my God, classic example of being in resistance and how powerful it is. I'm like, why didn't I have, why didn't I think of this six months ago or 10 months ago, because I was in resistance to the outside world that I couldn't control. And it's not a good creative space to be in. Mm -hmm. So I would just encourage people, like, if you want to start running faster in your marathon of your financial life. You've got to let go of that bowling ball, whatever it is that you're in resistance to that gives you that icky feeling. You've got to get rid of it, let go of it so that you can, and 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 you'll start moving at light speed once you're able to do that.
2: Yeah. I mean, Ben, ben what, what resistance is, is what is, shouldn't be. Right. Right. And so, you know, Joe Dispenza calls it a negative feedback loop. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, it's basically you look at your environment and your 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 whole your whole thought process is outside in it's dictated by what you see right mm-hmm. so we saw that with the pandemic right Th- those of us that have fortunately been trained not that there weren't parts that were really horrible about that but you know that outside in approach to life um you know for me it was it was my debt, right? My debt load. So I'd look at my debt, hate debt, hate debt. I hate it. Shouldn't be, shouldn't be this way. Not my fault. This, well, that feedback dictates my, my thinking and my processes and my feelings. So I pay more attention to it. My debt grows. And so that's the negative, that's the negative feedback loop. And so an exercise that you know I went through with, uh, you know, PSI seminars years ago, and it's still one of my go-to exercises that journal on is, you know, write down all the things in your life that you wish were different. It's super powerful. Mm -hmm. Right. And so back then it was financial stress, my debt, my ex-wife, my business, my team. I mean, you name it. And it was, okay, how do you feel about that? I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I feel guilt. I feel this, I feel that. And you know, what you resist persists. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's cute. Um, it rhymes. Well, no. And, you know, my coach took, took apart my debt and he's like, well, what you resist keeps persisting. In fact, it keeps growing. And so what he taught me to do was to get into accepting it. Right. And so that's, you know, when, when Marlo had her meltdown and you know, we got together the next day and we said, we're going to figure it out. And my commitment was to level up my belief systems, you know, upgrade my software, right, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had to sit down and we had to get the debt on paper. We had to get the cash flow or lack thereof on paper. And we just had to accept where we were. And so once you just say, hey, it's not good or bad, right or wrong, you don't need to love it, but you need to quit hating on it. Once you get there, once you get an acceptance, then you can actually start moving forward. It's just like a flat tire. I mean, you could sit there and be irritated that you have a flat tire all day long. The tire does not care. <laughs> you know, at some point, you got to get an acceptance that I got a flat tire. And then at that point, you got to get really clear on what you want. And then what's the next thing you need to do?
3: Mm-hmm. And that's
2: it. So a lot of people spend a ton of time pissed off at their flat tire right? It's still flat. Yeah. And so you got to accept it and get clarity about where you want to move, what you want to do, and then, you know, small step it. But acceptance is, uh, that's another podcast we could do. Anyway, how do you get, how do you get there? But
1: um, it's powerful stuff. It is powerful stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. And what you were talking about, Marlo, just the idea of, if you want to figure out what am I in resistance to is just let your feelings be your guide, right? I mean, right.
3: (laughs) They, yeah. they
1: come up and you know there's something you're resisting. And as you said, Chris, it's it's not accepting something that is.
2: Well, and you it's do cool. that list. You do that list. And, mm-hmm. and I, I do it, you know, when we speak, I ask people, how long has that stuff been on your list? Mm. I mean, years. Yeah. And they're still trying to resist their way to change the things on their list.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Energetically, totally freaking impossible. Can't do it.
1: Yeah. I know we were talking about Bob Proctor earlier, uh, off, off camera here, but, uh, he always says, I've heard him say anyways, is that if, if you have a goal of being debt free, you're almost never going to get debt free because you're always focused on your debt. right?
0: <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I, I could go on about that for about an hour. Cause every time I meet with a client and they tell me, Oh, well, I'm going to start saving money. Once I pay off my debt.
3: Mm.
0: I've heard that so many times mm-hmm. that and seeing the results that show up, it I hear I'm never going to save money. You, they might as well have just told me I'm never going to save money because if you're focused on the debt and you're like pay down debt, pay down debt, pay down debt, you're, you're never going to make the shift into saving money.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, I, I, I teach people how to do both simultaneously because yeah. you have to make the shift emotionally and financially.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's one yeah. of the major mistakes people make is just exactly what you just yes. said, right? Do both, right? Do both. Yes. And you guys talk about this concept, which ties in exactly what we said is rather than focusing on maybe, you know, attacking debt as we're building wealth and it, it's a very different thing, right? Very different idea. So, so good. I, I want to talk about this. Um, and I know Marlo, you've got to go in a little bit here, but I do want to talk about the idea of, I've, I've been talking about this on the show for a while, but the idea of being a money magnet and becoming a money magnet. So we've talked a bit about some of the obstacles people are going through. Let's talk about some strategies. How do you start to become a money, mega? Talk to me about that.
0: Well, gratitude um, for any and all money that comes into your life. Mm. So Chris and I, you know, our, our company, um, as you know, Ben, mm. we, you know, get updates twice a week. <laughs> and yeah. it was always like you know, refresh, refresh, you know, we were, we were like, you know, hanging on with to pins and needles. And now I kind of forget when it's, when we're getting paid, which is awesome.
3: Yeah.
0: But um, so we used to like, we, we get an update, you know, the commission update, update, and it wouldn't, if it wasn't what we were hoping for, <laughs> it was like, ugh, hmm. you know, and all this stuff would go through our minds of it's not enough. Why isn't it more, you know, and all those, I mean, self-sabotaging internal dialogue, you know, and we had to just shift. We had to stop it. So we had to consciously remind ourselves to be grateful for any and all money that flowed into our life. So it didn't matter if it was not as much as we expected it to be or wanted or whatever, we were grateful for any amount. So, you know, respect for money, not blowing money. I mean, which all ties into the gratitude of of the, of money. Gratitude for what you have. Um, you know, we we lived in a house that I did not like at all. That's an understatement. And I had to really um, work on that one. And I ha- and I was grateful. Because actually the day that I I actually sat at my desk in that house and I I did a mental inventory of all the things that I was grateful for and I said, you know what, my bad energy on this situation is it has to stop right now. So I sat there and consciously thought of all the things that I was grateful for that were good, um, you know, the attached garage, I didn't have, I mean, I had to dig deep and um, but and it was within a week or two that we actually came uh, up with a solution and we actually moved, um, mm-hmm. I think, two months after that. But, yeah, just being, being grateful. And, and it's amazing what you'll see flow into your life. Um, but being grateful for any and all money that flows into your life, I, I would say, is probably step one.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. So good. To, if we can turn expectations into appreciations expectations don't always line yes. up, but there's always something to appreciate. Right. Yes. And you know, I, I love how you said any and all money. And I think that for everybody listening this idea is that God or the universe, that, that money is energy, as Chris said earlier, and it doesn't matter denominations, right? It's not about mm-hmm. bigger or small, it's just money. You want right. more money in your life, be grateful for the money that you do have. Mm-hmm. Um, Next thing I'm curious about, and and I know this is something that a lot of people do struggle with, and this all goes back to wealth from the inside out, but is the idea of unworthiness around money or not feeling deserving of money? One of you guys want to talk about that?
2: Well, one, you want to give your two cents before you go, and then I got got a bunch I can share with that on.
0: Yeah, no, I I know Chris is really good about um, explaining that, you know, I haven't, I haven't necessarily had that issue like I always, Mm. you know, people are like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I, you know, I I feel that I deserve money, but I know that I've just seen it over and over again with clients, with people in the industry, just observing people that they have this underlying program and, and a lot of people don't even realize it. Um, And it's sabotaging their financial life that because they deep down inside, they feel for some reason that they don't deserve wealth, Mm. either because they have this preconceived idea that it's bad. They don't want to be a snobby rich person. You know, it basically stems back to something in our childhood that was a negative uh, impression that got into, you know, into our subconscious. And then we just live it out and believe that as a truth Um, you know, I don't, I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. Um, That's a big one. So the I'm not good enough program is basically, you know, that you don't deserve to have wealth. And And the truth of the matter is, is that we all deserve it. We absolutely all deserve it. It's not like there's a Finite amount, and if I have wealth, somebody, my neighbor can't. I mean, it, it doesn't work that way. <clears throat> and so, a lot of people think that they're going to be taking from someone if they have money. That's does that doesn't happen. It doesn't work like that. Um, if anything, you are more. You have more to give, not just monetarily. If you you know if you're donating money or giving to charity, but as a human being, because it lightens you up. And when I say lightens you up, like you're, you become a better version of yourself. Mm. Um, So the, the, I'm not good enough program is, um, you know, very detrimental. So my message to everyone who's listening to this is you are good enough and you do deserve it. Um, We all do. And, um, you know, you deserve it because you are going to be a better person for your family and those that you care about because of it. That's so good. Oh, so, yeah. Hopefully that helps. And then I guess on that thought, I'm I'm gonna scoot here, but thank you so much, Ben. I really appreciate the time to be able to share this. And I know Chris has some really great um thoughts on that as we're well. Gonna,
1: we're gonna try to get through it without you. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> how will you do it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it okay, thank you, Marlo. Appreciate you so much. Thank you. Have an awesome day. Bye, honey. Um, yeah, that's so good right there. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Well, it's
2: just, um, you know, when, when we when we come into, you know, when we're born, right, mm-hmm. nobody like looks at a baby and goes, eh, mm-hmm. right? Like, 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 you know, you're born, I mean, a baby doesn't have a deserving thing,
3: mm-hmm. right?
2: They, they, they deserve to be fed. They deserve to be taken care of. They deserve to be cleaned. Their diapers change. Um, they they know it, and so it's just that that first zero to zero to five, you know, age group, um, you know, you, you don't have a conscious mind, right? You're uh, you're in a state of of being receptive to whatever's thrown your way, mm-hmm. right? And so you get you get told stuff by parents, and you know. Siblings and teachers and and you know it's not your fault. I mean, there but something happened and you registered not good enough, not you know whatever. I mean, I that you know that was my upbringing. I mean, my parents did the best they could, but you know the message I got through childhood is um we're just a less than family, hmm. right? And and that's who we are, hmm. and you know and 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 it and, and like I said, it's not their fault. But, you know, we're, you know, our good friend, Steve Siebold, Mm -hmm. who wrote an incredible book that I highly recommend that will help upgrade yourself, um, how rich people think Um, that that was my Bible, you know, from a standpoint of, of, I had to understand these limiting thoughts around money and wealth and deservingness and all those things. I had to really study where this stuff comes from, how the middle class thinks And what he talked about in the 1300 plus multi-millionaires, multi-billionaires that he's followed for the last, you know, three decades is guess what? They all had the same thing. They had the same thing that I did, right? That you did, Ben, probably. I know you've been a personal transformational machine, right? Mm -hmm. We all get it. It's just at some point in somebody's life, they're like, I'm freaking done with this, right? I'm done with this. And so once again, that whole like problem into a project, right. If if you have an unworthiness thing, I mean, it's easy to say you deserve it, but 95% of your brain's going, well, I'm different. Right. And I don't. And so that ability, right. Uh, Metacognition, the ability to think about what I think about the ability to go, okay, unworthiness, what am I making up about this? You Mm -hmm. know, What is the root of it? All that. But when you understand what Marlo talked about is, you know, I mean, trees don't have worthiness problems, right? Birds don't have worthiness issues. We're just the crazy humans Mm -hmm. that have attached, you know, things like recessions and limiting beliefs and not good enough and not worthiness and once you start understanding, you start reading it and you start peeling the onion back and you start realizing that they're not even limiting beliefs. They're just lies that we've been telling ourselves repetitively repetitively for a period of time. Mm. And for me, it was like I had to clean it up or I wasn't going to stay married. I mean, there was a lot riding on me going, you know what, this not deserving thing or money's not good or whatever. It's freaking crushing me. And so, I had no choice but to make a shift and change on it. So, I don't know if that made sense what I just talked about, huck, folding, huck. but you got to go to work on it. Like, you cannot, you can't accept yeah. I'm not good enough anymore. You got to be like, BS. Yeah. And maybe I don't believe it now, but I'm going to do a little bit of work every day to level up yeah. my belief system around, damn it, I am good enough. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to get there every single day.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's so good. So good. Because it's it's really, like you say, it's just a story we've made up. There's no such thing as worthy, unworthy. It's completely made up. And truth is so relative because if you believe it, it's true for you. So if I'm sitting at home, you know, I don't deserve big money. Well, okay, well, that's what you're going to produce. But if you can shift it and you go back to some of the steps that we've talked about, you know, with Marlo talking about gratitude, the more you can appreciate the money you have today, the more you increase your capacity to receive more money. Right. So, because deservingness is, Chris said, I mean, it's just a made up story. It's BS. Anybody else deserves as much as anyone else. And then I think sometimes if you're listening to, sometimes people struggle with the idea unconscious again, but the idea of, well, I, you know, I don't want lots of money because somehow that's going to change me. Money doesn't change you. Money magnifies who you are. So if you're scarce with the money you have today, well, you'll be more scared if you had more money because you're scared of losing it. Right? So we've got to shift on the inside, shift on the inside. And yeah. you know, Chris, when you talked about that idea of outside in versus inside out, man, we we have to learn to detach from what's going on in the outside world. Your current circumstances were based on who you were in the past, not based on who you're going to be today, right? Um, man, so good. We could talk about that for a long time too, couldn't we? <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I want to we, we've we've talked about a lot of this stuff already and and all of this ties into this, but I think really what we're talking about is we're we're kind of shifting from maybe scarcity consciousness or or even just enough consciousness to really developing a prosperity and wealth consciousness. And I know, because I know you're a friend of mine, I mean, I want you to talk about um, for everyone listening, for you personally and and the people you've coached, where does big time personal development play in and then maybe even some steps on this into really developing that consciousness?
2: <clears throat> well i mean i, I mean you, you you're i mean you're either growing or dying right and and that's it and so you know m- middle class mentality is is being addicted to being comfortable and and one of my favorite quotes on comfort is um a life spent seeking comfort results in an entirely uncomfortable existence
3: mm.
2: right and the pandemic, you know, prove that out. A life spent seeking comfort results in an entirely uncomfortable existence. And so, whatever it is—prosperity consciousness or your health or whatever—you um, you, got to be very intentional about your growth and development. And for me, it's just—it's just an everyday thing, right? It's you know, we—you uh, know—I work out five days a week. Um, that's also super, massively freaking important um, because. Uh, money's vibration, success is vibration. Uh, The most successful people have the highest energy. And so um, I used to not work out, but I made a connection to working out of like, okay, if I want to double my income, I got to work out. I got to be vibrating at a very high level. Mm. Right. And so I connected, you know, uh, health to wealth and, and making that, you know, making that connection. Um, and so that's almost a mandatory thing, right? You, you you gotta, you gotta, you gotta raise your energy and you're not going to get financially independent without energy. It just doesn't happen. So Mm -hmm. so you gotta have that. So, but you know, so I I do that frequently. I I eat every day. I brush my teeth every day. And I just believe you got to go to the mental gym every single day.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Right. And you got to put in the time. And, uh, you know, if you do even 30 minutes a day, that's like four and a half working weeks of, you know, growing and developing yourself. Um, and then, you know, I haven't been shy about, you know, investing, you know, investing five to 10% of your income into personal growth and personal development. Right. And you and I have been, you know, semin- seminar junkies and, you know, um, you know, we study, there's tons of podcasts, there's a lot of free material out there. Um, but for me, it's, you know, the reading of a book, it's, you know it's a concept, but but it, but it's taking a concept and working with a concept, you know, um, I know I, I see your Brendan Bouchard high performance habits, right? It's it's the three or four skills or things that you're working on right now. Um, but I even believe it's just, you know, hey, here's this concept I'm gonna work on for the next, you know, 70 days and being really focused about shifting a habit. Because if you can shift four or five habits in a year over a five, 10, 15, 20 year period of time, you become a much different person. So, there's just, you, you just got to have some intentionality around your your growth. Obviously, listening to your podcast is huge. Um, and then, you know, I've been, uh, and just trusting intuition because you need to trust your gut and your intuition on certain things, right? And so, people that struggle, people that have deservingness issues or whatever, they don't trust themselves and you, you, you got to trust yourself and so I've hired coaches um, I mean right now you know a bunch of my guys are working with you know uh NLP freaking genius right and I'm watching you know uh, you know I had a, we had a guy on our team who was at a dead stop um, last year's never made more than like 50 grand a year and I mean he's gonna cross 250 in earnings wow. in July, right? Wow because, you know, he got, he's the guy that introduced, you know, so I'm I'm a big fan of NLP, man. I'm a big fan of um, Holosync meditations. I'm a big fan of uh, Paraliminals and I'm I'm a big fan of the technology out there. You tell me to stand on my freaking head for an hour and it's going to change my life. I'm going to do it. So it is all about getting outside that comfort level and just being intentional about your growth and development. And the only place you'll ever find true fulfillment in life will never be in stuff, it will never be in comfort. There's only two ways to find true fulfillment and that is growth and service to others. Mm. End of story. You won't find fulfillment anywhere else. So you better be growing.
1: Mm, That's so good. Yeah, and I think one of the things that why, why it's paid off for you so much in your life is the difference between information gathering and application of, right? Actually, am I willing to go and put this into my life? And, and I think that that is a trap that because there's so much information today, right? So YouTube, podcasts, books, all of it, is that sometimes you're just seeking information. The mind just gravitates to more. I just need to know more, know more. But the truth is we need to apply more, right? Yeah. I think, I think Andrew Frisilla
2: calls it uh, personal development zombies, mm. Mm-hmm. Success Zombies or something like that. That's just, that's, you have to listen to his podcast. I think it's Success Zombies. Okay. And it's yeah. just that, like, going from podcast to book to podcast to this, and you're just like, yeah. oh, that's great. I'm moving my life forward. This is awesome. And at the end of the day, it's all about freaking results. Yeah. And, you know, in my favorite, you know, 177 Steve Siebold concepts of objective reality. hmm yeah. You're getting results or you're not. And middle class doesn't want to look at it. World class knows all about objective reality. And that's what changed the world for me and Milo was, I didn't want to look at my results. Mm. I, wanted to, I wanted to have alibis. I wanted to look in the future. Mm. I didn't want to own anything, but she forced it on me and yeah. was
1: objective reality. Yeah. I think there's a big sense of freedom when you finally do face that too, right? Because when you're avoiding it, and you're you're ignoring it. You're you know I'm not going to look at my results. I'm not going to look at the credit card statement. I'm not going to look at you know whatever it might be. But then you actually face it. It stings. But then, okay, I can do something about this.
2: Well, yeah. And the reason why it's a world class uh, trait, and it's um in, in his book. There's 177. Right. Um, we just had him speaking to our our team, and he said somebody asked him if if they were if the 177 secrets if they were in any specific order and he said, um, no, they none of them except for the first one. Hmm. And the first one is objective reality. And so world-class has the capacity to look at their results and not take it personally. Hmm. And the middle-class, they don't want to look at their results because they don't want to feel bad about themselves. Mm-hmm. And then their results get worse and they don't look at it because they don't want to feel bad about themselves. And it's just, it's this crazy spiral, right? Negative feedback loop at its finest. And so we've gotten pretty good at, you know, looking at results. And what I've gotten good at also is understanding that, you know, I'll write down a result, you know, there's certain things about our business that aren't, you know, they're not, it's not comfortable to do. Mm. And, and I always go back then to what am I making up about it? And if I can change what I make up about it, that's more affirming than I, I can cut the bowling ball
1: free from my ankle before I get on the journey, right? Yeah, yeah, so good. And Going back, thinking about what am what am I thinking about, right? Yeah. Um, one more concept I want to talk about before we wrap up. I'm excited about this one, and I think it's such an important one, especially for everybody listening, because they're, of course, they're driven, of course, they're motivated, they're they're goal focused. I really want you to talk about this last idea on goal achieving versus goal setting and just kind of breaking that down for us.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, um, so, so once again, I, I hired a coach for four years that, you know, I couldn't afford really. Right. But, I, but once again, I, I, um, left to my own devices, I wasn't getting it done. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I hired a coach who'd been financially independent for decades. That was my requirement as I needed a financially free coach not one that had, you know, that read a book and was ready to coach me. Right. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: he had to be living the results in his life. And he just said, Hey, you're, you're a phenomenal goal achiever. Or he's like, you're for not, you're a phenomenal goal setter, but you're a horrible goal achiever. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, so basically what we had to do is we had to get really clear. And it was about just to get us back to square one is, is I had to double my income and, And so what he taught me, and there's been kind of a subsequent book that that another guy wrote called The 12-Week Year Mm -hmm. um, that's really powerful. But we had to really take that goal of doubling and, you know, we had to attach emotional motivators to it, right? And so um, middle-class thinking is goal-settings logical, world-class is goal-settings emotional. So he said, why? What are the reasons why? Well, I wanted to stay married. I, the financial stress on my wife was um, horrible. You know, I hadn't seen my kids. I mean, all your whys are usually tied back to people. Um, and so I had a long list of whys. And then what we had to do is we had to take that double. And then we had to figure out where I needed to aim for the quarter to hit the double. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. But one of the ways we self-sabotage is we go, well, how am I going to do it? Mm-hmm. And um, you know Mike Dooley, the notes from the universe guy, calls it you know the cursed who's and the cursed hows. Yeah. And and so you you don't know how. So basically, what we were able to do is take the annual, get dialed into the quarter, right? So we're starting a new quarter. So I got an income goal for the quarter in my mind right now. But then we had to get it down to what do we need to create income in a week? Hmm. And by chunking that down. It, it, the small steps are everything, right? Small steps compounded over a period of time. The world class knows that's the key. Middle class is always trying to change a ton of things. They get frustrated um, and you just can't do it. So all the strategies, tactics, and processes, all the how-tos, still to this day, were dialed into the week what I need to implement that week. And at the end of the week, it was about course-correcting. So what was happening, Ben, was I was making 52 small course corrections over the course of a year, super powerful, versus 25 big corrections on January 1st. Mm-hmm. And so in the last concept, and then I'll, I'll I'll stop because we could go forever on it, mm-hmm. is setting what's called be, be good goals or get better goals. And so the middle class, the ones that don't want to look at objective reality, they set um, be good goals meaning they tie their worthiness, they tie their deservingness, they tie all that stuff into hitting the goal, and if they don't hit it, then they're proving themselves right, that they're not good enough, mm. and they, they have no prayer. So Get Better Goals was all about that quarterly goal and me running as hard as I could through the end of the quarter. And the first quarterly income goal we set, I, I have, uh, next time I see you, I'll show, I'll show you my 44 quarterly goal sheets, um, mm. that I've had for the last, uh, probably more now, more than 12 years. Mm. But I ran all the way through the end, Ben, and I hit half of the goal. Mm. Most people would have said, okay, I got to lessen it mm. or I'm going to set a different goal. You know that you train, you train a lot of guys.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They don't hit the goal. They change the goal. They're constantly flopping around. I always ask my guys, what's your number one goal? Most of them don't even know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So then I, I re-upped it for the next quarter. I got 75% of the way there, right? Then the next quarter, I got 90% of the way there. And then I increased it by about 10, 15%. Hmm. So what happened is I missed about, I missed that quarterly goal about 99, 90, 95% of the time. I kept raising it. I kept raising my identity. I kept raising my income thermostat. And what's happened is, you know, we, we took our income up, more than five times since I started doing that. So, um, you know, get better goals are better than be good goals. Yeah. And, uh, and you'll start nailing that stuff and it's amazing what you'll do. And it's cool to go back in my Manila folder and look at, yeah, you know, all the stuff that I said I was going to do and they seem big back then. Yeah. Now I'm like, why was I thinking so freaking small?
3: Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's why it makes me think of Jim Rohn. He always talked about you know set a goal for not achieving the goal, but for who you will become. Yeah, that whole idea of getting better, right? Is that am I setting this goal so that I'm striving towards a better version of me? Because you know this, I know this. I mean, it's been said however many thousands of times in life. You don't attract what you want; you attract what you are. So the more we can work on us, the better we can become. Then of course life life will respond accordingly. It's it's a wonderful thing. Man, this is awesome. I've loved this. I know, especially because I know some of the conversations you and I have had many times, but uh, but we could literally talk about all of this for days. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. La- last question for you. I know you've studied tons of this stuff. Become an expert in it yourself. Give me a few of the top books, resources you'd recommend. Someone says, okay, I'm ready. I want to shift my wealth consciousness. What are the top resources you'd recommend?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I really think, um, if I had to pick, like if, if, if everyone's like, Hey, I got to pick one book, it, it would no doubt be Bob Proctor or Born Rich. I mean, I, I, um, I know he reads Think and Grow Rich every day. And he's been doing that for 60 years. Yep. Um, I would actually choose his book over Think and Grow Rich hmm. all day long. I think it is unbelievable. I think it's unbelievably written. Um, mine is totally worn out. Right. I've been through it so many times. Um, you know, so that, that stuff's good. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, the 177 mental toughness secrets, I think how rich people think, um, you know, I, I think releasing baggage, um, there's a, you know, I mean, these are the things that work for me. Um, you know, PSI seminars is PSI uh, size seminars is, uh, Um, Proctor wrote a bunch of the material for that. That's a very interactive, um, experiential. We've had a couple hundred of our agents go through it. SciSeminars.com. Can't recommend that enough. Um, Meditation is uh, do-it-yourself meditation, uh, centerpoint.com, point with an E on the end, Um, and then couplesmoney.com. Holy cow. Anyway, there's good stuff out there. So just that stuff. And you don't want to get overwhelmed by it. Um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a one seven, seven concept I'm studying right now. Um, you know, I've been reading that same page. I think I'm about 10 days into reading that same page just over and over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's changed how I've been interacting with people because I've gotten lazy in certain things. And so you just gotta be on it, man. And, uh, you know, we need constant reminders uh, all the time of, of what it takes to become successful. But you really need to understand the laws that create success. And unfortunately, we don't learn this stuff in school, um, unless you get mentors like you and I have had. You'll we would have never have known. Never. Um, and the reason, at least in the United States, ninety six percent of Americans retire broke is they don't understand the laws that creates success. I would, it'd be kind of like living your life and not understanding how gravity works. Right. I mean,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you should probably understand that. So yeah, get, get an understanding of that <laughs> so you can align yourself more closer to the laws that are going to create what it is you want out of your life and and ultimately bless a lot of people in the process of you growing and developing. hundred percent, man,
1: hundred percent. And you're so right. Just the idea of, we got to study this stuff all the time because we're not conditioned for this, right? This is not what the rest of the world is teaching us. And if you don't guard your mind, if, you're, if we're not taking that time to repetitiously repeat these great ideas over and over, I mean, you'll, you'll tend to drift, right? We all do. We all do. And man, this has been awesome. On the note of blessing lives, this was a podcast that is going to bless a lot of lives. You guys are phenomenal i love what you're teaching i love what you're bringing to people i love that you're again moving from just the individual to the couples because money's a challenge so i think it's number one cause of divorce right And we think about that so these are things that matter so much listen to this episode over and over go to couplesmoney.com connect with chris and Marla. I know chris is on social media as well you can check him out there and just get in touch with this stuff and really take a look when you when you listen to this podcast make sure you pause. When Chris talked about some of those ideas of, okay, get out your journal, do this. Those are the things you can start actually doing to apply to start to change from the inside out rather than waiting for the outside world to change. More money won't solve your money problems until we change on the inside. Agreed? Amen, brother. Amen. Thanks again, man. This has been awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it, brother.